0: Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible. So, let's get into God's Word together. Good morning. morning. It is wonderful to gather with you today. It's a joy to worship the Lord beside brothers and sisters in song and prayer. And now as we turn our attention to the preaching of the Word... I'm thankful for the opportunity to open God's inerrant, infallible, and inspired word with you. This morning, we'll be working through a text of Scripture that is likely familiar for some of you. Um, It would not surprise me that many of you learned or memorized this text of Scripture as children, um, or that you've taught it to your children. It is a simple text, but one that is abundantly important. Our text this morning is Psalm 1. Please take your copy of God's Word and turn there with me. If you do not have a Bible this morning, uh, we have Bibles over on the table there available for you to use. If you do not uh, own a Bible, please feel free to take one home with you. It would be our great privilege for you to uh, have a Bible, to know that you are reading God's Word. You do not need to sign anything. You do not need to tell anyone. Simply, take a Bible and be in the Word of God. Psalm 1. As you may know, the Psalms, all 150 of them, were not written by one man. Uh, While King David is often attributed as the author of many of the Psalms, some of the Psalms reveal other authors. King Solomon, Moses, Asaph, the sons of Korah, just to name a few. Some psalms do not list an author, which is true of Psalm 1, our text this morning. So while we do not know the specific authorship of this opening psalm, I would remind you that the words of 2 Timothy 3.16 ring true, and those teach us that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Therefore, we know that Psalm 1 is ultimately breathed out and inspired by God. Thus, like all of Scripture, it is vitally important, and it is exactly what we need. The first Psalm sets the stage for the rest of the book of Psalms. Its placement at the beginning of the book is not coincidental, it is first not by happenstance, but rather, this Psalm is first intentionally. And it is first because it is significant in the way that it calls or invites the reader. That is you and I today, by the way. We are the reader. To delight in the Lord and in His Word, rather than in wickedness. I've titled this morning's message, Two Ways, Two Destinations. As we read this morning, we will see a division in Psalm 1, we are given an outline of two men, or two types of men, who are on two different paths with two very different destinations. There is the is first the blessed man, and then there is the wicked man. Depending on your Bible translation, yours may say ungodly rather than the wicked, but the point is still clear. We will see as we work through this section of Scripture that there is a divide between these two types of men, the blessed and the wicked, to put it another way, the righteous and the ungodly. There are few, if any, texts in Scripture that more clearly show us the divide between life and death, blessing and judgment, and what divides them than Psalm 1. Please join me as we read Psalm chapter 1 in its entirety. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. That yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." Would you join me in prayer? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we praise your name. We are thankful this morning for your word. We are thankful that it is solid, that it is true, that we can live and breathe by it, Father. It is inspired and breathed out by you. It does not fail. It contains no errors. We thank you for that. Father, I pray that you would guard my mouth as I bring the word today. Pray that the people of God would be encouraged and built up for your glory, that the sinner would be called to repentance, and that Christ would be exalted to your glory, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin. We're going to work through these verses one by one. Let's begin with verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That is verse 1. The first thing we see here is the blessed man. What does it mean to be blessed? We see the word blessed quite often in the Bible. Uh, A quick search in the English Standard Version, which is the translation I'm reading from today, turns up 481 verses that contain the word blessed. It is a word we see frequently in Scripture. And yet this word is often lost in translation because of how our culture today uses this word so flippantly. The word blessed is used everywhere today. People hang decorative signs in their homes that say things like, bless this mess. We've got coffee mugs and T-shirts and bumper stickers that say things like, too blessed to be stressed. Our modern use of this word is quite watered down. Often in our culture and society, blessed has come to simply mean that earthly things are going our way. Life is pretty good, and in general, we're pretty satisfied with how things are going. Being blessed, then, has come to represent temporal, earthly happiness. Yet, dear ones, blessed is truly an important word in the Bible. Uh, We must understand it properly. In God's Word, to be blessed means to be shown favor by God. It means to be eternally shown mercy and grace by God, when in reality, you and I deserve His judgment, His condemnation for sin, because we are lawbreakers and have rebelled against God's Word. To be blessed in the sense of how it is described in the scriptures then does not merely mean temporal, earthly happiness or superficial prosperity. Although one whom the Lord favors and shows grace to is indeed happy and joyous, its meaning is far more. It is far deeper than that. To be blessed by God means you are His. Under the covenant of His grace, and because of that, there is eternal meaning and significance. To be bl- the blessed man or woman is the greatest undeserved gift one can ever receive. As we seek to better understand the blessed man in Psalm 1, I would remind you that the great rule of interpreting Scripture is that Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture. Commentaries are not bad. They do have some value, but God's word is sufficient in itself. And when we need to understand a text of Scripture, we look broader to Scripture to explain Scripture. That is why Scripture is sufficient for what we need. We look to that for clarity. Again, Scripture interprets Scripture. Uh, Psalm 32, verses 1 through 2, helps us to better understand who the blessed man is in Psalm 1. Again, Psalm 32, 1 through 2. I hear pages flipping, so I'll give you a moment to turn there. Psalm 32, 1 through 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity in whose spirit there is no deceit. Who could Psalm 32 be speaking of here except those who are redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is it besides they whose sin is covered? Who the Lord counts no iniquity against? It is they who are made spotless because of the perfect sacrifice for sin, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, That is what it means to be blessed. It is they who are shown mercy and grace through Christ. That is the blessed man. We expand this further as we use Scripture to interpret Scripture into the New Testament. We find similar wording in Matthew 5 with the Beatitudes, where Christ declares to his followers what characteristics will mark the follower of Christ. We we know these words well. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Again, we see the word blessed. It is this man, the blessed man, the man who hungers for righteousness, specifically Christ's righteousness. The man of God that Psalm 1 is referring to. Verse 1 says the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not listen to ungodly counsel or advice that goes against the way of righteousness, the way of God. The blessed man also does not stand in the way of sinners because, as we saw directly above in this verse, because he does not walk or follow the counsel of the wicked, therefore he does not stand in their way. Or more fitting, he does not stand in their waywardness. Because he does not take wicked counsel... He does not stand or follow in their sinful ways, and therefore, he does not sit among those who scoff or mock the things of God. The blessed man, the blessed woman, is one who rightly fears God. The words of Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 remind us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. To fear God rightly is to recognize how high he is and how low we are. Verse 1 does not say that the blessed man is to isolate himself from the world. But it does make clear that the righteous man is to clear, steer clear of associations that lead to sinfulness and to avoid wickedness, the way of sin and mockery of what God commands and instructs. The blessed man does not walk in these things. As we work through verse 1 of the first psalm, it's worth noting that there is a natural progression in verse 1, which gives us great warning. First, a man may walk among the wicked, moving freely among them without heeding the warning of Psalm 1. Before long, he is standing in their midst, He's no longer simply moving among them. Now, calloused to his surroundings, he stands in place with them. Sadly, he eventually finds that he has become one of them. He is seated among the scoffers, mocking the ways of godliness. Do you see the progression here? First he walked in the counsel of the wicked. Then he stood in the way of sinners. And then he sat among them those who mock God. We've all heard the story of the the frog in the boiling water. A pot of water is slowly heated up to the point where it's boiling. The frog is blissfully unaware until it's too late, and it will cost him his life. So, too, the man who walks and then stands and then eventually sits among the counsel of the wicked, the ways of sinners, and those who would scoff and mock our god brothers and sisters who are you walking standing and sitting among i hope and i pray that is among the gathered church among those who seek to honor the lord and his word that is the great warning of psalm one verse one now we must give great care in reading this psalm lest we come away from this text today with a mere call to some sort of moral living. You could read verse 1 and carelessly come to a conclusion that you should do good things and be blessed. Or walk among the godly, and that'll make you the godly. But that's not what the text says, is it? No, we know that is not possible. No one is good enough. No one is righteous but Christ We cannot earn God's favor or his blessing. As one preacher put it, there are two ways to work through this psalm. You can wrongly read it as moralistic, or you can see Christ in it. Let us see Christ in our text this morning. The blessed man is righteous not because of his own action, but because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus In which Christ's righteousness is laid upon the man who is made righteous, holy, and blessed. Because Jesus Christ is righteous, holy, and he is ultimately blessed. Now that we've seen the negative in verse 1, what the blessed man does not do. He does not walk, he does not stand, he does not sit among the ungodly. Let us now look to verse 2 of Psalm 1. For the positive, what the blessed man does. Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It should be impossible for us to imagine a man or a woman, blessed of God, who is not in the word. The blessed man hungers for the word, meditating, thinking, dwelling upon it night and day. He, she knows the Bible because it is their utmost priority. Just as our bodies can only go so long without hungering and aching for food, so the blessed man hungers for the nourishment of the word of God, knowing that his soul requires it to live. It is his delight, his love. He is famished without it. It is not something that he or she reads when it's convenient or when time allows for it or only on those nights when they don't have other plans. He delights in the law, the instruction of the Lord. It consumes him like only one who has been brought from death to life can understand. It is his, it is her heartfelt passion. First John Chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 tell us, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For the blessed man, the law, the instruction of the Lord is not a burden Dear friend, do you delight in the word of God? Does it consume you? Do you find the things of earth less and less appealing in the light of his word? Revealed by the spirit to you as you read, as you study, as you meditate, as you pray the word. Oh, I pray that you do. I pray that you do not view God's word as a drudgery but that you recognize it for what it is, and your joy is found in delighting in his word each day. Let us move forward to verse 3 of Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verse 3. But he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. How fitting it is that the blessed man is compared to a fruitful tree that is planted by streams of water. Let us note that the word says he is planted by the stream. For those that garden, when you plant something, you set something in the ground intentionally. It's specific. Just as a gardener does not plant at random, so too the blessed man of God is planted, is rooted next to what he needs. And that is the ever-flowing stream of God's abundant Word. He, the blessed man, is given what he needs to grow, to flourish, and to produce fruit as evidence of that which is sustaining him at his root, at his core. He is sustained by what he is delighted in. In the previous verse, in verse 2, we saw this, the law, the instruction of the Lord, the Word of of God. He is like a tree planted by streams of water yielding fruit with leaves that do not wither. When droughts come, when storms blow, when the sun scorches, when times are difficult, the blessed man is rooted firmly by the sustaining stream of God's righteousness and His Word. Even when other trees wither and die for lack of life-giving water, The tree planted by the endless stream of God's righteousness endures. Those roots hold firm to what is feeding it. That's the blessed man. What grace and mercy and loving kindness it is that the Lord cares for those who are his, those who are blessed of God, that he, the sower of the seed, the planter of the tree, plants his people by the stream and it never ceases to flow. It is the living Word of God. It should come as no surprise to us that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, both in John 4 and in John 7, says that He is the giver of living water. Dear ones, are you reading these verses verses moralistically still? Or, Or are you seeing Christ in this psalm yet? From the first verse in Genesis 1 to the last verse in Revelation 22, all of Scripture points us to Jesus Christ. Now let us move forward again in this psalm to verse 4. Psalm 1, verse 4. We will now see the contrast between the blessed man and the wicked. We read in verse 4, The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Whereas the blessed man is compared to a fruitful tree planted alongside the stream that will ever flow and sustain it, the wicked man is compared to chaff in the wind. Do you know what chaff is? We live in a pretty rural community here in Byron. We've got many farmers in our midst and I'm confident that there are men and women in this room who can explain it far better than I, but I will do my best. Chaff is the outer husk of a grain or seed. When the plant is alive, the grain or the seed is coated by this husk as if it were a sort of skin that protects the delicate crop. Yet when the grain or the seed is harvested, the outer husk is discarded. It has no real worth and it's typically tossed out. It's normally plowed under or burned, or if it's collected at all during the harvest, it's simply mixed into cattle feed as a filler. Sometimes it's even just left in the field to be blown away. It has no worth. Once the grain or seed is removed, the chaff has nothing to hold it in place. It has no life, it has no root, It has no purpose, and it is utterly destroyed. What a sobering thought that God's word compares the wicked man to chaff. That is worthless once his life is removed. Christians in this room, does this reality humble you? And also cause you to rejoice at the realization that you were once that wicked man. But Christ rescued you. You were once slated as chaff, but like the prodigal son in Luke 15, the father has placed a robe on you and a ring upon your hand. It is my hope and my prayer that you recognize this and it causes you to rejoice at his great grace. But also, if the reality of the wicked being compared to chaff does not burden you for the lost, I fear you may not understand the fate of of all those who are not in Christ may we never cease to rejoice at what Christ has done for us while also praying that this same grace would also be given to those who just like us are undeserving of such an eternal blessing let's move forward again to verse 5 of Psalm 1 Psalm 1 verse 5 therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. When we see the word therefore, we must always ask, what is it therefore? In nearly every case of that word in Scripture, therefore references something that was said immediately prior to what we're about to read. This word calls us to look at what we just read in verse. And what was that? The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand at the end of time when Christ returns and separates the blessed of God from the wicked. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus gives us great examples of this day when he returns. In Matthew 13, uh, verses 24 through 30, for those note-takers in the room, We are given the example of a man separating wheat and weeds from his farm field. The wheat to be harvested to his barn and the weeds to be bound and burned. Similarly, in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, again Christ speaks of the day of judgment. This time, he uses the example that he will separate people The way a shepherd separates sheep from goats. The sheep to his right hand and the goats cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Psalm 1, verse 5 speaks of this final judgment of all mankind. The wicked will not be counted among the righteous. But make no mistake, they will stand for the judgment but they will not remain standing in the judgment. And here's why. It's answered in the next verse, in verse 6, our final verse of Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In this final verse, we see the words, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And yet it is more than simply that God recognizes the righteous from among the wicked. God, in His sovereignty, does not simply know who by faith choose Him. Scripture's clear. Romans chapter three, verses 11 and 12. "None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. God knows the righteous, for they are his, called by him, and drawn by him. As a shepherd knows the sheep of his own flock, so too the Lord knows those whom he blesses with his grace, whom he has eternally graced and given mercy to. John 6, 44, in this verse, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ speaks clearly when he proclaims, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Dear ones, this is the work of God. The righteous are known by God because everyone who has ever been made righteous before him has been made so by the blood of his Son. Jesus Christ, on a criminal's cross, on a hill called Calvary, where God poured out his righteous punishment on his own son, that those who believe would become the righteousness of God. There is no other way to be made righteous and blessed. That's it. Again, Scripture's clear. If We look at John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Dear friends, there is no one righteous enough to be blessed by God of their own merit. It is Christ's merit, His righteous death in our place, and His resurrection that fulfills the debt of our sin that we could never repay to a holy God. Therefore, when Psalm 1 says the Lord knows the way of the righteous, it's because it is deeply personal. It is because God knows those whom he has called, whom the blood of his Son covers. They are the only ones who will ever be blessed by God, favored, eternally graced. That is only because a loving God for his own glory chooses to save wretched, pitiful, broken, wicked men and make them the blessed man. I, for one, am thankful that he took a wicked man like me and has shown grace. As we come to our application today, the question comes to mind, so now what? We know that there are two types of men, blessed and wicked, What does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? Every person in this room today is on one of two paths. The path of the blessed or the path of the wicked. Sin causes us to naturally be wicked from our birth. If that is you, if you have come to understand yourself to be sinful before a holy God, described by Christ as the weed that will be separated from the wheat or the goat which will be separated from the sheep, both weed and goat, both to be cast into the fire. Then I encourage you to repent of your sin and believe the gospel. The Bible says to repent of sin, to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and not put to shame. Friends, those are the clear words of Romans chapter 10. Scripture also tells us in Romans 8.1 that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I admonish you today, if you know yourself to be the wicked man, do not harden your heart. Repent and believe the gospel Psalm 1 verse 6 in its closing words tells us the way of the wicked will perish. That word perish in the original language of Hebrew, which is the language that the Old Testament was written in, does not simply mean to die. Perish does not simply mean die. In the original language, it means to be destroyed, utterly undone and lost. It is my hope and my prayer that you heed the call to repent and believe before it's too late and you are utterly undone and lost. If you have questions, I would love to talk to you after service. There is hope for lost sinners in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For those today who recognize themselves to be the blessed man, those who have received the grace of God, Is your delight truly in the law and instruction of the Lord? Do you desire it? Does your devotion and study of God's word reflect delight in the law and instruction of the Lord? If it does not, I want to challenge you. We have learned in Psalm 1 that the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers or those who mock God. The scripture is clear. The blessed man delights in the law of God and meditates on it day and night. Christians in this room, pursue that with your life. Brother and sister, there is nothing else for us to chase. The battle is won. The victory is assured in Christ. What more can you do but know and obey the king's words as you faithfully live out his instructions until he returns for his own? May he find us faithful today. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have shown us the two paths that every man is on, that you, by grace and mercy, have made a way for sinners to be redeemed from the wicked, that you give us warning that we may place our trust in Christ and be made righteous, though we have no righteousness of our own. God, this day I pray that you would be honored in your word, that you would be glorified among your people that sinners would be called to repent, God, that you would have your way in us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together, Lord. If it be your will, we pray that you would bring us back again next week that we may continue to gather as you have called us to your glory and to your purpose. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at infothevillagemi.com. Until next time, stay in God's Word.